I never dreamed how much I would actually enjoy podcasting. When it was first suggested to me, I'll be honest, I was a bit intimidated by the thought. But when I found Anchor, I quickly realized how easy this was going to be. Anchor provides me with the tools to record and edit right within their program. I don't need additional software. I didn't even need to know how to distribute the podcast because they do it all for me. I would not be where I am today as a podcaster without Anchor. It's all you need and completely free. If you are looking to get started, download the Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started. Everything you say and do can and will get used against you. And I mean everything. You are never safe interacting with this person. This is why this particular type of abuse, covert narcissistic abuse, is so exhausting. While the abuse may not be constant, the risk of it is. The potential is always there. You never know with anything you say or do if it will set them off. I'm Renee Swanson, your host of the Covert Narcissism Podcast, and thank you so much for joining us today. Before we get started, I want to invite you to join us on Patreon. On this platform, members receive semi-weekly illuminations. Semi-weekly means twice a week. Illuminations, points to ponder, to keep yourself on a path of clarity and healing. You know, grasping covert narcissism is like trying to grasp the wind. It's here and then it's gone. You've got a hold of it and then you don't. Keeping your thoughts clear can prove to be extremely difficult. My goal on Patreon is to keep things simple and clear. You have already dealt with enough confusion, word salads, and circular conversations. These little nuggets of inspiration are clear and straightforward. In Patreon, you can also send me your own thoughts on topics to address and questions that you may have. It is a partner relationship. To join us on Patreon, visit us at www.patreon.com forward slash covert narcissism. Also, one more thing is don't forget to hit that subscribe button, that like button, or that favorite button. This helps us so much to continue spreading the word, to making this podcast more visible to others. And this is the only way we're ever going to turn narcissism around in our world is to educate. We need to educate those who don't get it or those who are enablers and they don't see it yet, like all the flying monkeys. We just got to keep spreading the word so that they will start to see it and we can take the fuel away from these narcissistic people in our world. Now, back to the subject today. When you are with a covert narcissist, everything you do gets used against you. Everything you say, every thought you have, every expression you have, everything you do, even every kind or compassionate act that you do. I'm going to give you some examples today of exactly what I'm talking about. So we were one year into our marriage, And I had no idea about any of this. I was so enjoying the honeymoon phase of our relationship. Like you, there's no way you could have convinced me that this was a toxic relationship. I was head over heels in love. I had found the perfect partner, the perfect match. And I was so enthralled with him. I was just so blissfully in love. We went on vacation uh, with my family to the beach. This is about a year into our marriage. And one particular morning, he came out of the bathroom and he had toothpaste on the edge of his mouth. You might have heard me talk about this before. And I said to him, you know, hey, honey, you've got toothpaste on your mouth. And before, you know, I continue, I ask you, 
is there anything wrong with that? Like, did I do something wrong here? Did I, did I attack him? Did I, you know, how could that one phrase that I know I've said to other people be a problem? And with his mean and offensive tone, he snapped, well, you have a hair out of place. And he stormed off. I was so stunned. It was as though I had just like attacked him with his words and his defenses flared up, but I really truly did not understand. His his response was so mean and and so like uncalled for. I just kind of walked away then and he later apologized, but when he apologized, I said, you responded as though I had attacked you. But I thought I was being helpful and telling you you had toothpaste on your mouth. I figured you probably didn't want it there. And so I'm confused. And of course he explained, well, I didn't respond that harsh. You know, I didn't respond that way. I didn't take your words as an attack. So, and because I didn't think it was an attack, there's no way I would possibly have responded the way you're describing. Well, now I was completely confused. And at that time, of course, I had no idea what was really going on. So, you know, telling him that he had toothpaste on his mouth, which close family members, people who live together, you know, roommates, spouses, whatever. We do this all the time to help each other out. That was turned against me and and used against me. And, And then trying to understand, trying to reconcile with him, you know, that space that we all desire where things all of a sudden are right again and, and we find connection again, that was flipped around on me too. We were married 20 years after this. And, and to this day, I never, ever again told him that he had toothpaste on his mouth when they don't make it safe for us to talk to them, to help them, to support them, whatever, we simply quit doing it. When others make it hard to help them, people stop helping. And this is completely understandable. Another time we were on a road trip and and I was driving and he reached into the back of the van and he grabbed my jacket to use. Now, let me explain the significance of this jacket. It was not just an ordinary jacket. I had earned a spot on the USA Taekwondo team a few years earlier, and I competed internationally with them, and I was very proud of this. This was my team jacket. I had earned that jacket, and I was proud of it. I was protective of it, and he knew this. Well, he didn't ask. He didn't use his own jacket that was in the van. In fact, he reached past his jacket to take mine off of my Taekwondo bag, and he like wrapped it around his legs on his lap. And when we stopped for gas, I took my jacket and I put it on. I didn't say anything, you know, before we stopped for gas. We were far enough into my into the marriage at this point that I knew if I said anything, he would flare up with all of his defensive rage. And so I just, when we stopped for gas and he had gotten out of the van, I just took the jacket and I put it on. Well, he objected. Well, I was using that. And I, I said, well, it's my jacket. And I'd kind of like to wear it. You know, I worked hard to not react. I just simply told him I wanted to wear it. Well, then he actually asked me, well, did it bother you that I picked it up? You know, if you have to ask this, then you know that you have overstepped a reasonable boundary. And I wanted to yell, of course it did, but I didn't. I told him it bothered me that you didn't ask. So, you know, he knew that jacket was special to me. He knew that I was protective of it. He was making a point, which is a covert narcissist's favorite thing to do. And his point was, I don't care about your boundaries. I don't care about your stuff. I'm going to use whatever I darn well please. Well, about five minutes later, this lesson 
continued. We're driving down the road. We were on a road trip, you know, back coming back actually from one of our tournaments. And he started to reach for the fingernail clippers that were in the middle compartment of the front of the van. Now, the fingernail clippers have been in this location for years. And he and I both use them all the time. Like, this is a nothing. They are a no big deal at all. And as he started to reach for them, he abruptly stopped and went, oh, I'm so sorry. I should ask. Is it okay with you if I use the fingernail clippers? Well, this is him now making a clear point that my desire to have that boundary over my jacket is utterly ridiculous. And it's just as ridiculous as, you know, having a boundary over fingernail clippers. Well, I simply said, of course. And he took them out, he clipped one thing, and then he put them right back. He didn't need those clippers. He was making a point. He was trying to make me feel bad for expressing my opinion about my jacket to, again, teach me a lesson. So me setting boundaries, which is a healthy thing to do in relationships, gets used against me. Putting me in my place so that I never do that again, making me feel bad for setting a boundary. You know, the only people who don't like your boundaries are those that don't want you to have any. His goal was for me to stop setting boundaries. To a covert narcissist, boundaries are not actually boundaries. They're challenges. They're obstacles to overcome. I'll give you another example. My cousin had died, and I was working on making arrangements to go out of state for the funeral. And at this point, I actually thought the funeral was going to be on a Thursday or Friday. We still didn't know what day the funeral was going to be on. And I asked him if he wanted to come. Like if, if he was going to come to the funeral, he said, well, I sort of want to come, but maybe it doesn't make sense, you know, for me to fly. And he didn't really want to pay for two tickets. So if I was going to fly, then he was going to stay here. But if I'm going to drive, then he would go with me. I told him I really wasn't sure. And that it depended on when they set the funeral for. Um, he even offered that, you know, I could fly up earlier than him one way and he could drive up. So when we were talking about setting up arrangements and, and then I could ride back with him. And, and so I just said, okay, let's just see when the funeral ends up being. And, and so we'll, then we'll talk about it. Well, the next day I found out that the funeral was going to be on a Saturday. And I had a major work commitment on that Sunday. So driving was now no longer an option. And I told him this. And I started working on getting a flight booked. I asked him about the different airlines. I talked out loud with him. Like he knew all of this was part of the conversation. And during this entire time, he said nothing about wanting to go with me. And he had already told me that he didn't want to buy two airline tickets. And so I was definitely going to fly because of when the funeral was. And so I didn't think anything of it. And with him in the room, I actually called my other cousin to make arrangements from the airport, like all of this. He heard all of this and never said a word. Well, before I actually hit the pay button, I went into the room where he was and I talked through the itinerary to make sure I wasn't missing anything. And I'm just about to hit the purchase button. And he goes, so do you not want me to come? What? Now, where in the world does this come from? You told me you didn't want to buy me. You didn't want to buy an airline ticket for you. And, and so I actually said, look, I don't care if you want to come. If you want to come, then come. And if you don't, then don't. I'm not making that decision for you. Well, then his response was, well, I don't want to step on anyone's toes or anything. I get the feeling that you don't want me to come. Here we go again. Turning all this around. And now it's all my fault that his feelings are hurt because clearly I don't want him to come to the funeral 
which, you know, my own desire to be a compassionate person was actually triggered from that single statement. I could feel it through my entire body. I don't want him to feel rejected. I want him to feel welcome. But wait a minute. I did nothing wrong here. So I said to him, I told you that I don't care whether you come or not. It's up to you. I don't know your work schedule. I don't know what you have going on. You said you didn't want to buy two airline tickets. Like, I don't care. You decide. So his response now was, well, they've been my family for 20 years too. Anyone ever heard that before? You know, there's that line of, well, they're my friend too. Or they're my family too. Well, I care about them too. Covert narcissists are experts at ruining family events, weddings, birthday parties, reunions, even funerals, because they make it all about them. And then they turn around all of your actions and all of your words against you. He concluded that he wanted to come. So we started over on the computer. I purchased the tickets, but he stayed huffy with me for the rest of the evening, clearly upset that I had not made him feel welcome enough to take a trip to my cousin's funeral. This was all about him. And you know what? This isn't about him. This isn't even about me. This is about my cousin. This is about that family. It's about three young children who just became orphans. It was about a family being torn apart with grief and drama. I'm so sorry if I'm not managing to make you feel welcome enough. That's how ridiculous this is. I'll give you another example from everyday life. My husband loved to shop at Sam's Club. And I have nothing against Sam's Club. I really don't. But he came home with such large proportions of everything. And if we ever said anything, he defended it like he had just bought us the greatest gift in the world. One day he bought, you know, Cheerios, just plain Cheerios from Sam's Club. And it was two gigantic boxes. The boys were using various types of Cheerios to make this trail mix, but they didn't use the plain Cheerios. They liked like the chocolate ones, the peanut butter ones, like all these different, you know, honey nut Cheerios, all of these. And so they had used all of these different ones. And I asked them, I said, why did you buy those boxes, you know, from Sam's? He said, oh, so the boys can use them in the trail mix that they like. So I explained to him that they don't use the regular Cheerios. They actually don't like those. And they, they use all these different flavored ones. Well, he insisted that, no, they, they use the regular Cheerios. And he got all offended with me and all defensively, you know, starting to rage at me. And he became so offended, in fact, that I just stopped. I just stopped talking, you know, about it. Well, then he blurted out, well, you eat them too, and stormed out of the room. I haven't eaten plain Cheerios since I was a kid. I really kind of don't like them either. But I just, I couldn't even talk to him about it because he became so reactionary. And by the time we did manage to eat one box, the second box was stale. And so just little by little, I poured it into the trash and it was just gone and nobody ever said anything else about it. But again, just trying to talk to him, just trying to tell him, hey, the boys don't like these kind of Cheerios. Something that simple got flipped around and turned against me. Telling them that our boys didn't like that type of Cheerio made me out to be a horrible person. There was one day that we went for a walk in the neighborhood and it was, it was me and my husband and our youngest child decided to come with us. You know, he was about 12 or 13 at the time and he and, and my husband had been struggling in their relationship for quite a while at this point. And so I was actually kind of glad that he wanted to come. This particular day, everything seemed relatively normal. And so I was pleased that our son wanted to come with us. And 
we're out on this walk in the neighborhood and my husband and I had been chatting for, for a little bit. And I, in an attempt, I'm, I'm guessing in an attempt to include our son in the conversation, my husband asked him, so what are you studying in school right now? And that seems like a fairly innocent enough question. And, and I thought, you know, at this point, I'm still feeling safe in the whole conversation. Well, in a, in a, like a partial sarcastic tone or a partial kind of exasperated tone, our son replied everything. And he started to continue like, like it was one of those answers, like everything, you know, let's see. And math we're doing, you know, and he was going to go on and explain what everything meant. But before he could actually do that, like before he got, you know, started in the next sentence, my husband, his father blew up at him. I can't ever have a conversation with you. What kind of an answer is that? Can't you give me an answer that's useful? I'm just trying to talk with you. Well, our son shut up at this point. He was done. He did not say another word. He was mad, hurt, and he blamed himself. Yes, our kids do this too. We go through it, and so do they. You know, if my husband could have just shut his mouth long enough to hear his son, this could have been a normal conversation. What he missed was that our son was going to tell him about his classes. What he missed was that in that single word, everything, our son was feeling overwhelmed in his studies right now. What he missed was the smirk in his voice that said, even still being overwhelmed in school, he was doing okay. He missed all of that because he was too busy being offended and then too busy teaching our son how to communicate, too busy turning all of this against his young son. These reactions from them, they do educate you. They do. A covert narcissist's goal is to educate everyone around them. Well, they definitely succeed. Just maybe not in the way they think they do. They think they're educating us on how to better communicate, on how to be a better person like them, on how to never talk to them again, but always talk this way or that way, or, or how to stay in your place, so to speak. Instead, what they are teaching you is to never talk to them at all, that they are not a safe person, that you can't express how you feel to them. You can't voice your opinions to them, that you can't be yourself around them. You know, if a porcupine keeps pricking you, you finally quit reaching out to it. If a stovetop keeps burning you, you quit touching it. When he continued to snap at me in all these various situations, I finally quit talking to him. I quit reaching out to him because it just became too painful. So yes, I became educated because of him. I encourage each one of you to learn from your experiences with this person in your life. How do they treat you? Are you safe with them? Physically, but not just physically, emotionally, mentally, psychologically. Do they turn things around against you? Or do they, you know, do they work with you? You know the difference. Your heart knows the difference. Put boundaries in place to protect you, your heart, your mind, your soul. We will be talking more about boundaries in future episodes. Now, I want to let you know I have a new group coaching session that's beginning in April. These groups are proving to be so incredibly effective in helping each one of us take charge of our own healing process to take control back of our life and who we want to be, to quit giving this person the power to decide who we are and instead empower ourselves once again to find us and to be that person we want to be. 
Now, I usually hold these groups on weekends, but this next one, I'm going to do it on a weekday. I'm going to do it on Thursday mornings. I can only take 10 people in each group. So if you're interested, don't delay. Sign up now. To sign up, visit my website at www.covertnarcissism.com. I wish you so much peace on your journey of healing. Thank you.